0: Are you confident in most areas of your life, but when it comes to money, you go to a corner and hide? In this episode, Garrett Philbin shares some ways you can change this. Are you tired of the traditional money advice? Me too. Bienvenida. Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast. Join me each week for down to earth money conversations that will leave you with more confidence and inspiration to help you take control of your money. And you will probably learn some Spanish along the way too. Lista? You ready? Empecemos with. Let's get started. You are back, or maybe it's your first episode. Either way, I couldn't be more fired up to have you here. Que tal? How is it going? This is Jen Hempel, your host. I've got a fantastic conversation to share with you today. Before we move on, though, I was realizing that we are coming up on a season break at the end of this month, which means next week is the last episode before our break. Of course, during our break, we will have some replays and many episodes. So it is kind of a break for me, but there still will be something for you to listen to. In today's conversation, there's a little bit of some adult words being said a few times, not overly bad, but I wanted you to be aware in case you're listening with some little ones around you. So what you're going to learn in this episode is the specific imprint his parents' money story left on his own and how he went from working in the music industry to becoming a financial coach. You're also going to learn four exercises that you can do to help you dive deeper into your money story, as well as the significance of focusing on what you have control over and why it matters. Let me share with you a little bit about Garrett Philbin. He is a financial life coach and the founder of Be Awesome Not Broke, where he helps passionate but stuck millennials remove money as an excuse for why they're not doing what they love. Five years ago, he quit his stable job at Sony Music and took a leap of faith into entrepreneurship and hasn't looked back. Garrett co-hosts Beyond the Dollar, a podcast where he and his co-hosts have deep and honest conversations about how money affects our well-being. He also helps other financial coaches start and grow their own businesses and runs a 600-plus person Facebook community where coaches can support, learn, and guide each other. ¿Lista? You ready? Let's go meet Garrett. Vamos a conocer a Garrett. Bienvenido, mi amigo, Garrett. ¿Cómo estás?
1: Bien, ¿y tú?
0: Bien. Oh, you spoke more Spanish some, uh, today, so I love it, love it. I am so excited <laughs> to have you here, uh, finally, on the Her Money Matters podcast. For those of you listening, I've known Garrett. Has it been two years now? It's, it's been a while. Um, I think it's been
1: two, maybe even three, because I reached while. out, Yes. I think, maybe in 2015 or so when I was still in New York, so it's been a little while. Wow.
0: Yeah. So I wanted to bring him on because those of you listening will see he is just so amazing. I give him a hard time. Honestly, we have these dance battles when we go to conferences. I still say I'm the better dancer. He disagrees. And he's a lot of fun. But most importantly, too, is that he's very, very smart. He's um a little younger than me but um very very wise for his age especially in the field of finance so Gary I'm really really excited to have you here so you ready dive so in
1: for- Oh, yeah. And thank you for having me on. I love how you make me sound like I'm like 22 years old. I feel very young inside. I'm a spry 32. So I'm not that much younger than you are. Come on now.
0: Well, well true. Well, we just won't talk about my age then.
1: <laughs> that, all right. That sounds good.
0: <laughs> I'm kidding. So Garrett, tell us, I want to know and we want to know, how did you grow up Your around money? What is your money story? What did you see? What did you hear? What influences did you have?
1: Yeah, my money story, my parents never had that much money, but we always had enough. My dad is, or I guess was, he retired this past summer, which is awesome, a community college chemistry teacher. And so he made decent money, but never a whole lot. And so, again, we always had enough, but I was aware that there were people around us that had more. And my money story uh, actually is influenced a lot by my parents' money stories as well. So my dad was one of eight children, and he grew up with not a lot of money in his household, and his dad passed away when he was 13 in an accident. And so from a young age, he had to partly parent younger siblings and look after them. And so that story of his, of not having very much money, of after 13 being with a single mom, that really influenced his frugality and how he saw money. And he really grew up with, I don't have enough, there isn't going to be enough. And he brought that into the family. And I learned from that. Uh, My mom, I think, had not as frugal of an approach to money, but Her parents had a similar approach of being very diligent with it. Don't spend on things that aren't necessary. And I really picked that up. And therefore, you know, I didn't spend very much money on things that weren't absolute necessities pretty much all my life. And only recently has that started to change.
0: Gotcha. So when growing up, were there some conversations around money that your parents had with you or it was from observation?
1: We had direct conversations about it. I remember sitting around the dinner table and seeing my parents balance their checkbook and asking questions about that. And so they talked about opening bank accounts and paying bills. I remember sitting at dinner and asking what a mortgage was because my parents had talked about paying their mortgage. And so we were very open with the discussion of money and it was never this taboo thing. So I'm very grateful to them for not having money be this thing which was scary or couldn't be talked about. They also gave me a budget when I was, I think, 10 or 11. And so I had a certain amount of money to go out and do fun things with. And then when I got into high school to buy my own clothes with. And so I learned, oh, I can get shorts from... Mervin's, you know, that are $20 or I can go to the surf shop, which is trendy, but they cost $50. Okay, what's the trade-off there? So, I'm really, really grateful that they gave me these very practical tools of which to handle money. And I also got some of these money stories and scripts that there isn't that much to go around that money should be spent on necessities, not as much wants. And so, you know, it you take the good with the I feel kind of bad calling it bad, but it just kind of is what it is. And I think those money stories certainly have served me at one point in time, but also led me to not use money in a way that ultimately brings me the most happiness.
0: Gotcha. I love that they gave you a budget at 10 years old. That is fantastic. It was pretty cool. That is awesome. So you are now a financial coach. You're also, you're in the process of becoming an accredited financial counselor. And I was, we were talking before we hit record and I was realizing, I think you are the first AFC that I've had on the podcast. And I don't know how this happened. I've been doing this podcast, goodness, about three years now, and you're the first one, which we, we need to change that. So I'm excited to have you here because of that. But tell us, you weren't always a financial coach, you had a different background. So tell us where that background was. And why the change?
1: Yeah, I studied music business in college, which most people say, wait, that's a major? I kind of felt that way too. (laughs) I went in undeclared, but ultimately realized that was a major and said, ah, this is something that I want to do and really enjoyed it when I was studying it. After college, I actually volunteered for two years full time at a high school for low income students from troubled backgrounds. And I really enjoyed the mentoring and the teaching aspect of that job. But ultimately, after those two years, I moved to New York and then spent about five years in the music business. And over the course of that time, I just realized that I didn't really love the music business. I enjoy performing, yes, you in do, the music space, <laughs> and I was going to say and in the dance space too, baby girl. We know. <laughs> too <laughs> but funny. I, I just realized that I didn't love the music business. for For a couple of years, I worked at Sony Music, which obviously is a big company, and I didn't like how big that was. I started a music production company with a couple of friends from college. And really enjoyed the entrepreneurship aspect of that, but ultimately as this underlying just slow burn, I was always feeling like I didn't love the industry. And I was never able to shake that. And so it finally came to a head about five years into my music business career where I just said, I don't love this. It's time for a pivot. And so I had a lot of conversations with one of the fellow co-founders, and it was actually him who said You know, you love to teach. You really love to mentor. For some reason, you nerd out around personal finance. Is there anything there? And I never thought of it myself, but it was one of those moments where as soon as he said it, I was unable to get that idea out of my head. And I just went home and I remember opening up Evernote and writing about five to six pages of just like, how can I help people around money? from one-on-one coaching to groups to starting online communities. And it was just this massive brain dump and I had no idea how I would do it. But it was the first time in my adult life that I was ever so excited and passionate about something that I couldn't shut up that voice that told me just go do it. And kind of the rest is history, as they say.
0: I love it. Love that. Now, you work with a significant number of women, and I know you, like myself, you see some recurring patterns when you work with your clients. What are some of those patterns that you see, and what are some potential solutions that you suggest with your clients?
1: Yeah, with women especially, the patterns that I see are them believing the story that oftentimes they were explicitly told or implicitly told by people around them, by the media, but just by society is saying you're not good at this or you're not supposed to be good at this or this is something that you shouldn't worry your little head about. And so they come to the table believing that they aren't good at it and that they've heard that they aren't supposed to be good at money or worry about it. And so That is a consistent pattern, which is really interesting because so many of the women I work with are absolute badasses in their personal life, in their career, and they are confident. They are strong. They are all of these things of which in every area outside money, they are just emblematic of strength. And then we talk about money and they just shrink. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting to see how there's such a disconnect between these sides of themselves. And so that's something that I've really enjoyed diving into. And like you asked me about my money story uh, at the beginning of the episode. And Mm -hmm. so we dive into that and we talk about what their money stories have been and why they think that they aren't good with money or they say, oh, I suck at money. Why do you think that? Let's talk about what your story has been and why that's something that you would come to say about yourself. And so those are, I think, the most insidious patterns that are most problematic and keep women small when they absolutely don't need to be. So that's really a main focus. And once they start overcoming those patterns and becoming as confident around money as they are in the other areas of their life, that's when the awesomeness happens. And they're just like, then, you know, they are no longer um kind of partitioned as selves, like they become, again, one awesome holistic being. And that's when just kind of all the chains are uh, broken through. And it's just like, all right, you've got it, you go. Uh, And it's just really, really, really cool to watch.
0: Love it. So when you see these patterns, you talk to them, you get into, you really dive deep into their money stories. And what do you have them do from there to overcoming the patterns? Do you have them maybe journal? Do you you have them um, be more aware when those negative thoughts or those thoughts that don't serve them come to play? What kind of things do you have them do? To really help them progress to really change those patterns and thoughts and, and mindset.
1: Yeah, there are a couple different exercises depending on the personality of the person who I'm working with. So journaling really, really does help. And if someone really enjoys writing on a daily basis, that's something that I will have them do. So I'm I also have my own podcast with Sarah Lee Kane called mm-hmm. Beyond the Dollar and she mentioned this actually maybe in the episode that you were on where, She has people write just a money win that they had every single day. And no matter how small it is, I think it's for 21 days, that's a really, really great idea just to show themselves that they are making progress and they are doing good things. I had that with a client yesterday, actually, where we've been working for a month and she was just beating herself up because she spent like an extra $30 on, I think it was eating out. And I stopped and I was like, wait a second. In the email you just sent, you said, hey, I didn't spend $997 on this course. Yay. But yet also I was $30 over in eating out. And, okay, let's... What... <laughs> and she focused on the negative part. Yep. And then I also said, OK, you've also taken every single bonus that you have gotten or will get. Right. And you've allocated it. And she earns upward of $200,000. And she in the past month was just like, okay, all of my bonuses are going towards savings or retirement. And she'd allocated already in the past month $15,000 worth of bonuses towards those things, and yet somehow had completely forgotten about it. Mm -hmm. So for her, it was just saying, all right, your job is to acknowledge every day until the next time that we meet what you have done well, one thing that you have done well, so that you can remember and acknowledge yourself for that. So I think that is something that I see a lot of um, people not doing is just acknowledging the success that they already have. But for people who haven't necessarily felt those successes yet, an exercise I like is writing a letter from your 80 year old self to yourself today. Mm. So for me, it's, you know, old man sitting on a porch drinking some kind of adult beverage and writing a letter to me today and saying, hey, this is what you did to make your life what you wanted it to be. And here's what you didn't do. Here are the things that you said no to that, you know, at your younger years, you might have felt obligated to, but you said no to them, honored what it was that you really wanted. And here's the life that we were able to create. That's Mm -hmm. a really fun and powerful exercise.
0: That Uh, is. I love that. I I haven't done that one. I mean, I've heard of something similar, but I haven't suggested that to my clients. That was, that's a good one. Love it.
1: Yeah. And if you want one more, just in case a quick one is based on the three questions from George Kinder. So George Kinder works more in the financial planning space, but he has these three questions that I think do a really, really good job of kind of taking people into this journey of, of getting really, really deep in what's important to them. So The first question is, imagine if you were financially secure and you have all the money to take care of your needs now into the future. How would that feel? And what would your life look like? How would you live your life? So it's really thinking first, like if you had all the money in the world, what would that mean? And then he takes it a step deeper where he says, okay, now imagine that you are given five to 10 years to live. You're never going to feel sick, but also you aren't going to know when the exact day is that you're going to die. What will you do with the time you have remaining? That really helps people go that level deeper and think of, okay, what are the things I want to do? What is important to me? What do I want to prioritize? And then the final question says, okay, the doctor actually shocks you with the news that you only have 24 hours to live. Notice what comes up as you're confronted with your mortality. What dreams will be left unfulfilled? Like Who do I wish I had become? And this is where a lot of that really deep sense of want comes out. Like What are these things that are really, really important to you at your core that maybe you haven't addressed or acknowledged or given as much time to as you would like. Awesome. So, yeah, that's a really great one as well. And so using some sort of those different exercises and figuring out who resonates best with what those are some Makes really sense. good for people to look into.
0: Makes sense. Love that. Now, it's also really interesting because I see it a lot, too, where I'm uh, talking to a client and like you mentioned, they focus on One small aspect, or you know, they feel is huge that they quote unquote messed up on, but then they neglect all the other wonderful things that they're doing. And really, I don't know if you see this too, but it's for me. It just boils down to like oh, all the money advice that we're told, and we see, and like in the media, you need to do this. This is what you're supposed to do, uh, and all over the place. And so we have this ingrained in our brain, and then once we quote unquote mess up it's like hard to like get over right so it's this i think these these just doing these exercises is really important especially when you're finding yourself beating yourself up of, over something right and not acknowledging those fantastic before we jump into today's content keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal i'll be sharing midway through the show it's something special just for you things that you're already doing. Because I see that time and time again. And and because that keeps you back, that holds you back.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's representative of a lack of self-worth or a lack of feeling enough mm-hmm. in other areas of our lives as well. So if that's something that continues to come up, then I think it can be important to have a conversation around that and say, you know, this is something that I see coming up time and time again, certainly around money. Where else does this show up in your life? And I think as a financial coach, whenever you deal with money, so many other external issues oftentimes come up. And so knowing when and how to address them and also when it's part of our work, As financial coaches and when it's important to bring someone else out, like a life coach, if they're really struggling with direction or a therapist, Mm -hmm. if they're really finding these underlying patterns that, yeah, money is a part of it, but it's not the sole driver, then being able to refer out to people who can help support and help them make progress in these really, really deep areas of their lives that come up when they're doing work around money.
0: Absolutely, those are definitely some great thoughts there. Now, I wanted to also ask you another question, uh, and uh, prior to recording, I'm like, "Are you willing to tackle this topic?" Because I thought you would be just the perfect male uh, mm-hmm. to ask this to, and and it's about the wage gap. And what do you see? Because for for me, with the wage gap, there's a lot of talk of how unfair it is, which I agree. But what I feel is lacking is. We can do all the the lobbying, the advocating, and all those things put in, you know, bringing the voice and the attention to uh, how uh, substantial this wage gap, especially in the minority population. I saw the you know, graphics on how the Latinas are like on the, you know, for every dollar is 50 cents. Uh, mm-hmm. We're like on the lower uh, part. And, but for me, it's like, it's, that's great to bring the voice in and all that. But what can we do? Uh, to improve this? Because for me, it's about working from the inside out. And I just wanted to hear from your perspective as to what can we do as individuals, as women, you know, to improve this? I mean, one woman is not going to be able to do it on their own. But if we individually as a group do this, what do you think we can do?
1: So I first want to acknowledge how big of a problem that this is. And so I am not an expert in any sense of policy and I am not a woman myself. So I am going to stick to the very narrow area of which I have some expertise, which is certainly the coaching aspect of it. Because it is incredibly challenging. I saw that same statistic that women of color make somewhere in the 50 to 60 cents on the dollar that white men do. And you have to acknowledge that it is incredibly hard, even if you have your own shit together, to make it work when you're making half of what someone else does. So I want to put that out there and to say that that is real. And I'm not going to diminish that at all. And You can also, like you said, from the inside out, what can you do with what you have control over? Money is power. And I think that's been seen as a negative thing because for so much of history, if not all of it, people in power have not used it in the best of ways. But money is neither good or bad. And so if you have more money, you have more power. And if you have good intentions, if you are someone who wants to use that in a way that benefits others, then that is a really really good thing. So by taking control of your money and doing the work to understand what you can do to benefit your own financial situation, so you can get clear on how okay, shit, I'm only making 60 cents on the dollar, but what do I have coming in? Where what is going out? Where is that going? How can I put it towards the things that really matter to me? How can I put my own oxygen mask on and feel secure and then Once I have control over that area in my life, how can I then use the additional mental energy that I get from not worrying about money? You know, I think one big thing is once you feel more in control of yourself, you can then look outward and give your time, your talents, your energy and your abilities to others. And money is something that keeps so many of us small because we're so worried about our own survival. So if you can take care and work on the money part, which is that thing that you have control over, then that allows you to open up to supporting others outside of yourself. And I think that is why money around work is so important and so powerful is because it allows us to rather than stay small and think solely of ourselves to really get out of that scarcity mindset and support others. So, you know, getting control of your money, feeling a sense of power around it and having more money so that you can use that additional money and the time that you get from not having to worry as much about it to support other women, to empower this movement towards income or I guess pay equality, that honestly taking, like you said, taking care of what you have control over is probably um, the biggest thing just in the personal finance space that you can do.
0: Awesome. And because that's why I wanted to ask you and talk to you about it, uh, because I also really strongly, strongly feel that if we do these things obviously, we're going to become more financially confident, right? Because you had mentioned earlier how some of your clients are confident in so many other areas in their life. But when it comes to finances, that's when they shrink, right? That's when they shrivel up. But I really, really believe that if we work on these things uh, with what we can control, as you mentioned, and we become more financially confident, and then that in turns, it really makes us uh, stronger advocates for ourselves, right? In in because we have that confidence, right? We have our financial confidence. So I really strongly believe that this is important to do because we can voice all we can, you know, how, un- how unfair it is. But if we work on ourselves, we become more financially confident. And I think if we become f- more financially confident, we can be better advocates. And I think that in itself, uh, will hopefully, in my view, <laughs> will minimize that wage gap. It's not going to completely solve. I don't have the solution, but I, I strongly feel that way.
1: Yeah. And I will also say that, you know, we're talking about financial confidence, which leads to self-confidence and taking control and using this term power. It does have to be said then that there is a double standard. Mm -hmm. So in the workplace, uh, if you have confident, powerful, outspoken women they're seen as bossy, mm-hmm. right? Oh, look at that. That one was a bitch for how she stands up for herself, mm-hmm. right? You have these, things, these qualities in men that are rewarded and that are seen as good that when women have the same qualities, they're seen as negative, right? So I don't want to have it be this Totally rosy picture painted of oh, we get control over our money and feel more confident, and then we can just go out there and burn the house down and start making everything (laughs) right. Because there are so many roadblocks that are up for women in order to bridge that wage gap from both financial to society's expectations of what women should be and to a certain degree where their place is, you know, how they should and should not act. So just to speak to that and, and acknowledge it and say, look yeah, we can, we can certainly get control and take control over what we can in ourselves, but just to acknowledge, yeah, and there's a lot standing in your way. So yeah, just wanted to make sure that that was said too. That, oh, uh,
0: absolutely. And I'm glad you brought it up because it, it is true. We have to acknowledge that as well because that's what it is. Uh, that's how it is, unfortunately, uh, at this point in time anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, hopefully not for too long, but um, oh, yeah, goodness. we can just do the work, right? And, and it's important, too, for allies, I think, and those who can support. So for people like myself, you know, I am a white male of not saying, OK, I can just, you know, it's figuring out ways that I can help support as well. You know, I think mm-hmm. the work that I do as a coach is supportive, but I also think there are other ways to support. Uh, it was interesting. Actually, yesterday I have a coach who I've been working with for a while And, you know, I got in, I was kind of her first client. And so she had me at a super low rate. And she's just never opened up the conversation to raising that rate. And I was hanging out with a friend down in L.A. last weekend and having a conversation about raising my own prices. And I realized, I was like, oh, my gosh, we've never had a conversation, me and my coach, about that. Mm -hmm. And it was weird because I was thinking, well, is it my responsibility? It's like, well, it's her, right? Mm -hmm. She can raise her rates if she wants to. But it was weird just to sit with that and say, "eh, that doesn't necessarily feel right. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. why always put it on the other person if it's something that I feel based on some experience that I've had? Like, yeah, this should be different, honestly. And if she doesn't feel comfortable to bring it up, OK, I will. And I don't know that if that was 100 awesome. percent the right approach in every situation. Mm-hmm. But she was really appreciative of me bringing up that conversation and just saying, hey, let's talk about it. I don't want to overstep my boundary and say, you know, let me speak on behalf of you or here's what you should do. But this is just what I'm noticing. We haven't had a conversation about it. I know that in the past you have been hesitant to have direct conversations around money. You share that with me. So, okay, let's talk about it because that's a space that I have confidence in and I can just kind of know from our relationship that That's something you might be challenged with, so it is kind of my responsibility to bring it up. So just seeing where um, people who have power, which I certainly fall into that category in a lot of different areas, can just be more attuned and attentive to how we can use that, again, power for good. God, that makes me sound way too altruistic, but I think it is. like What is our responsibility? Continually asking ourselves that question Whether it's in money or any other areas of our lives, I think that's going to ultimately be what makes the greatest change in the wage gap and in other areas of inequality is, again, people in power making the decision to not put the onus on other people who are the quote unquote oppressed right, in whatever area that is to do the work. We'll have to get uncomfortable.
0: Garrett, I have to commend you. And I think you won everybody listening at this very moment. You won them over. (laughs) I can say just for saying that. That is incredible. See, this is why I'm having you on the podcast. (laughs) You are incredible. Garrett, this has been fantastic. I've really enjoyed uh, talking with you today, having you as a guest on this podcast and everything that you shared with us today. We need to do this again soon, actually.
1: No, I, I would love to. And just thanks for letting us have this conversation. I think it's a really, really important one to have. And again, I'm just trying to figure it out for myself. So some days I'm doing well, and some days I'm not, you know, as being a supportive person in this process, but just having more conversations about it, I think is really, really important. So thanks for giving me the space.
0: Oh, thank you. It's been such a pleasure. So what did you think? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed chatting with Garrett. You can go learn more about Garrett over at BeAwesomeNotBroke.com as well as the podcast he co-hosts, Call Beyond the Dollar, which both links uh, will be in the show notes. I've also had the opportunity to be a guest on it. Again, the links to his website, the podcast, and that particular interview will be linked up in today's show notes. Now, I'm going to dive deeper in today's interview as to some a takeaway that I had, and I'm going to give you a challenge, some homework to do. But before I do that, I want to do la mención semanal, our weekly shout out. Today's uh, mención semanal goes to KL. She recently shared a fantastic money win on how the podcast has helped her take some action on her student debt. She had previously a high interest rate, which she was able to refinance at a much lower interest rate. So way to go, Kate. I know how much of a relief doing that must have been because before she was at this really high interest rate and she was able to secure a really low interest rate, a little over 1%, I believe she shared. Don't quote me on that. Now let's get back to today's interview. In today's talk with Garrett, I absolutely loved his message about focusing on what you can control. Notice he also mentioned money wins, which as you know, is something I am big on celebrating. Now I want to go into that more into this and his message and give you some homework as I mentioned previously. So let's talk about what are some things that you can control. Your actions, right? Your thoughts, the way you feel. Now you may think, no, I can't control any of those, or maybe I can't control my actions, but my thoughts and feelings that that is harder to control. So let's dive deeper into this. We, as far as actions, we can control how we spend our money, how we manage it, the paying of the bills, putting money into savings. Those actions we can most absolutely control, right? Of course, we can also control our impulse spending. That might be a little harder for some of us, but that still can be controlled. As far as thoughts, maybe we don't have some great thoughts about money, but we can control them by shifting them to better ones. And an easy way to do this is to look at your money wins, the running list that you should be having, right? Always keep a running list of your money wins so you can acknowledge that you are really better at money than you think. So if one of your wins uh, lately has been putting money more consistently into savings, you can shift your negative thought about money into saying something like this, I'm exceptional at saving money. Of course, you can feel free to change exceptional to another word that you like better. So, We've covered controlling our actions, right? Because we definitely can control our actions. We covered how we can control our thoughts, right? That we have about money. And now let's talk about the way you feel. So the way we feel and thoughts really go hand in hand, right? One influences the other and vice versa. So let's say you aren't feeling so great because your week has been stressful. You can change this how you feel by simply some self-care. Uh, this means take a moment to pause, take a nap, go soak up some sun rays, read, give yourself the permission to take a break, which is the pause that I was telling you about, because that work is not going to go anywhere. It will wait for you. And believe me, as much as I'm talking to you <laughs> in regards to taking that break and pause, I'm also talking to me. <laughs> this is also some self-talk as well. So, those are some things in terms of your homework, I want you to think of the current, your current actions around money and realizing, you know, focus on what you can control. Note, list the uh, types of actions around your money that you are doing and that you can absolutely control. And then in terms of thoughts, think, uh, make sure that you have that running list of money wins if you don't start one. Okay, So if you don't have a running list of your money wins, definitely start one. So therefore, when you have a negative thought about money, you can immediately go to that uh, running list that you have of your money wins that you're continuously adding on and change that thought to a new one. Okay, And then the third part is, so we're going to be uh, writing down those actions that you can control around money. We're going to be keeping a con- uh, running list of your money wins to use uh, as our cheat sheet when we have negative thoughts about money. And then when it comes to the way we feel, we've had a bad week or a stressful week, start, have a list of uh, activities, something that you can do for those times that you are just really needing to take care of yourself. Okay. So whatever that is for you, I've listed taking a nap. I've listed going on a walk, soaking up some sun, those type of things, but it can be whatever you enjoy doing. All right. So with that I'm giving you homework. So if you did this homework, go over to our Facebook community and let me know. All right. So moving on, if you are amazing in all areas of your life, but you resonated when Garrett said that when it comes to money, you literally find yourself hiding in a corner somewhere. If you are feeling that way, you just make sure that you grab my daily money ritual. This worksheet is going to help you break your money situation in down in a way that is not so scary. So you stop going to hide in that corner each time money comes up. You can download your free copy over at jenhemphill.com forward slash ritual. Now, next week, we'll be changing it up some, and we are going to be talking some real funny stories with a real funny guy, Joe Salcihai. He has been a guest before. He is the host of the Stacking Benjamins podcast, and he has some fantastic and funny stories to share because money doesn't always have to be so serious. So that is a wrap for today. I want to thank Garrett for joining us, for sharing his story, for sharing his wisdom, you can check out the show notes on where to find Gary over at com forward slash 152. Also, don't forget, it would mean the world to me if you shared this episode or this podcast uh, to a friend, a family member, or even a stranger or a coworker, as you just never know what they're dealing with at this moment. And something that a person said, one of my guests or a lesson that is being taught in this episode can make a huge impact. So I will definitely greatly appreciate if you shared this episode or this podcast. So that is it for today. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. I'll talk to you next Thursday. Ciao.